Well, good morning as we gather here beautifully on this Tuesday in the 17th week. We have this pause in our, in our continued study here, and, and it's interwoven by the architects of our lectionary, these selected readings. You heard last Sunday perhaps said that for last Sunday and then continuing for the next three, we have a specific focus on the Sunday liturgy, Saturday vigil, Sunday morning liturgy in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, which is known as the Bread of Life Discourse, and this focus on the real presence of Christ given to us in the words of institution offered at the Last Supper, he giving himself to us, this gift, his real presence. So we, we have two reflections on that today, one taken from this book of Exodus, we're in the 32nd, 33rd chapter, rather, of Exodus, and this description of the writers of Exodus giving this description of the tent of meeting where we're told Moses would go just outside the camp and there was a tent set up where he alone and Joshua were allowed to enter and he would have this dialogue just as a man, we're told, just as a man would have a dialogue with God. And that, uh, the theological term for that manifestation of God is theophany, this pillar, this cloud is a theophany of God. And we today now as Christians don't, don't experience a theophany, we experience the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. It's not a symbol, something that points to God. It is God in the, in the Eucharist, in the sacred Eucharist. And the Ten of Meeting uh, analogy then carries forward as time advances in the history of the people of Israel in the formation of the high worship, if you will, in the temple that Solomon would build. And that was the pinnacle, if you will, of formalized worship of God in the Temple Mount and now continues on to the current day in synagogues. And then we, the derivative faith, uh, brought to us through the Son of God becoming man, dying for us and rising, giving himself to us in the Eucharist and empowering us in the Holy Spirit. We gather now, not in a tent of meeting, but we gather here in this sacred space and we encounter not a cloud or a, or a pillar of fire, we encounter this loving, merciful, loving, real presence body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in his reality here with us. And in our brokenness and imperfection, we receive him. Now that's radical thinking to a world that increasingly so wants to say, well, God might exist, but I don't, I don't care. We refer to that in some, some literatures refer, refers to that as the tyranny of indifference. It's the tyranny of indifference. God might exist, he might, but I don't really care. Doesn't, doesn't affect me. What I can tell you is this. Deacon Andy and I have the privilege of ministering to people whose lives are near an end. In that moment of vulnerability, it is an absolute privilege to be present for someone whose natural life may come to a conclusion. And my experience is this. It's only two years, well, three years as a deacon of this. So Father Len, who's at Pope St. Pius, has 30 years. Father Hippo, who has 21 years of experience, could say even more so what I'm sharing, my observation of three years. When a person's natural life is ending, and they're aware, they're conscious, it's not some unexpected event, but it's, it's, there's, a, there's time of reflection. What I've observed is those individuals who have a position in faith, meaning not the tyranny of indifference, but they're actually invested in a belief. 
that person's natural life end is peaceful. There's still the anxiety over how will this, how will this be? How will this be? I, we don't know that. It's mysterious to us on this side of natural death. How will this be? I don't know. But we worry about it. We think about it because it's mysterious. But if you're secure in your faith, in humility, which was Moses' greatest attribute, in humility, we come before a Lord, acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior, and as Catholics, so privileged to acknowledge that we in our imperfection can receive Him in the Eucharist. We have received that which we hope to become, we receive into us. That's present to us, and that's why it's such a privilege to minister people, minister to people near their lives. And those people who are in that frame of mind seem to have uh, peace about what's happening. There's anxiousness about their loved ones and what will happen to my, my family or my spouse, my children. That's real. That's, that's logical, isn't it? But they're not anxious about God's promise. Conversely, there's only been a few in those three years, a minority, praise God. But there's been a few who have no position in faith. And that moment is terrifying. Because now the question is, what if it's true? What if it's true? That was Pascal's wager, by the way. Of the 24 proofs for the existence of God, one of them is known as Pascal's wager. And he argues, just bet on the truth, because in the end, it's a better payoff than being wrong. It's a long story. But the idea is this. In the end, God's will be done. And Matthew, now in the 13th chapter, in capturing the words of Christ as he's mentoring the disciples, he's just now taught the parable of the sower. He will actually teach seven parables in succession rapidly in this 13th chapter, one after another, seven parables. This first one, the parable of the sower, he brings to us and now he reflects on that in privacy with his, his apostles, with the disciples. They come to him, thought, uh, uh, Master, explain this to us. And so he does. The sons of God and the sons of the evil one. Well, let's know this. Every child conceived ever is willed by God. Evil doesn't will life into existence. It does not. Evil is counter to life. So every child conceived ever was a will of God. That child coming into this world can be formed, can be exposed to gospel truth or not. That's in God's mystery. That's in God's mercy. That's in God's mystery and mercy. But what our Lord is trying to tell us, captured by Matthew, is that we have decisions to make. And in the end of life, God's will be done. We don't change God's will. God's will be done. We have to pray that our eyes and minds and hearts are open to God's will so that we follow it. We don't change God's will. We, we pray to know God's will and then to seek it and follow it. This is important in our culture, especially today, because so many young ones have either no exposure to the gospel truth or worse, are brought up in a, a, a formation that is counter to truth, and they suffer desperately from it. They suffer from it. Now, God's mercy and provision is there. God knows all things. He knows all things. He knows a young one who may have been uh, exposed to the tyranny of indifference by their parents, and so that young child is in some ways, we use the term spiritually feral, so they don't know. That's why we, as a, as a community of faith, have an obligation to maintain this of meeting as a sacred space in all ways. This has to be different from the outside world so that even when a young one who has no experience in the faith 
or anybody, an adult, comes in here, this is not like anywhere else. It's beautifully reverent. It's been cared for lovingly for 110 years by the generous parishioners, you, of this parish. Deacon Andy and I, Father Hippo, we do our best to be reverent in the liturgy in all ways, be reverent in the liturgy in all ways. We try to uh, accommodate that and to enhance that in any ways that are useful and meaningful. But we have a special mission to study the truth, speak the truth, live the truth, because in the end, God's will be done. And we, us, here this morning, we have no idea how many lives are changed or helped or advanced by someone's experience here. I only know of a couple, and, and they, those that I know of, I only know of them because they wrote letters to our team and explained their experience. They've come here, they've had this encounter, they've met very generous and kind people, they experienced Mass, perhaps they attended after Mass fellowship, and the result was they came back, and they came back again, and they came back again. And then they'll say, you know, I haven't been to confession in 25 years. I'd like to come back. Or I hadn't been to Mass in 15 or 20 years. Now I'm back. And you all make that possible by the provisions of this church, by the reverence in the liturgy, by the sacred space that we maintain. So as we go forward into this beautiful day and into the week, let's reflect on the fact that as we hear in Exodus, let's acknowledge in humility the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. We don't just enter into those spaces cavalier. That's one. Two, in Matthew's telling of our Lord's words, God's will be done. We have an invitation and moreover a responsibility to study and understand his will, but then live his truth, be that beacon of hope at a time when so many in the world are floundering about particularly in a nation of abundance like ours, floundering about, indifferent to a truth that in the end they're going to encounter in those final moments of life. Let's do our job to advance the cause of faith. God bless you all.